Today's On Shuffle episode is brought to you by Belvedere Vodka. Produced in one of the world's longest-running distilleries, Belvedere Vodka is the world's finest all-natural vodka. Crafted by a collective of master distillers, Belvedere Vodka is made with non-GMO Polish rye, pure water, and no additives. Zero. Zip. Recognized for quality, Belvedere Vodka was named the ISC World Vodka Producer of the Year in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Thus... We're very excited to have Belvedere Vodka as a sponsor of On Shuffle. Enjoy a delicious cocktail with Belvedere Vodka today. And remember to always drink responsibly. Oh, yes, indeed. We are black again. Welcome back to On Shuffle. I'm your host, Micah Peters. I'm a staff writer at The Ringer. And, you know, I've been kind of thinking about how Pusha T effectively suplexed Drake through a table and last night Jay Prince apparently called timeout but we're not talking about that today we're talking about Kanye West who as you know is in many ways like the pinnacle of celebrity and occasionally art and he inspires a lot of emotions and a lot of loud words from lots of different people it kind of brings us all together in that way and Today, we're going to be talking about his new album, his eighth studio album, Yay. And we're going to get into the specifics of the album with the editor-in-chief of TheRinger.com, great website, Sean Fennessy. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Kanye Circus with another guest of mine, a writer, producer, podcaster, Jugnick Mayard. But we're going to get into the album review first. Let's get it. With all the madness swirling around the Pusha T and Drake beef, which Kanye declared over on Thursday evening, it didn't really feel as though we were getting a Kanye album until, you know, we got a Kanye album. Yay, his eighth solo release is out in the world now, and it certainly is an album. Maybe his toughest to grapple with to date. But here to help me try is my boss's boss's boss, Sean Fennessy. Hey, Micah, am I not here to talk about Father John Misty's God's Favorite Customer? Is that not what we're doing? It, that's not what we're doing. Oh, man. Um, but I did, I did hear that it was... Splendid? Splendid. Life-changing? Also, the fact that the album rollout wasn't exhausting at all <laughs> was... It's a wonderful thing. Unlike today's <laughs> subject. Yes. Unlike today's subject, yeah. So, overall feel in Yay is it's just two minutes longer than Daytona was, but feels interminable. Yes. How do you get have these these writing camps and these teams of people working on all these songs and then you come out with let me hit it raw like fuck the outcome <laughs> none of us would be here with outcome which he says on all mine let me hit it raw like fuck the outcome hey none of us would be here without come it's truly remarkable that this is what came out. The truth is, is that every Kanye record features its fair share of groaners, right? There's, there are always two or six or nine <laughs> bars in, in every album where you're like, couldn't you have just worked harder on that? <laughs> couldn't you have just tried to make that a little less dopey or a little less? And the truth is, is that he colliding those two things was part of his appeal at first, was mm-hmm. the, the sort of like childish, um, scatological, sexualized, but like in, in an adolescent way mm-hmm. thing, hitting so clearly with religiosity, spirituality, family, love, 
the context of society, race, all these ideas that he's always wending in all of his music. And he put all this things together and you're like, this actually is what this guy is like. You know, he's actually sharing with you an honest version of what's going on in his head. Even at some times where you're like, just try to be better for all of us. <laughs> but he can't do it. The problem here is that, one, this feels even more rushed than usual. And we can tell that he put this, he, you know, spun this record up really quickly. In right, 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 right. And then in addition to that, you know, it's it's only seven songs. So we can look so much more closely at all the material. And if there's more dopey shit going on here, it's going to stand out. It's going to stick out. Every time I hear him talking about like taking a girl to the titty shop, I'm like, not now. This is like not the time for this. Just like don't do this to us. Uh, and and maybe it's not my place to say don't do this to us, but that, that that is my reaction. Yeah. Okay. Let's just go ahead and go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. The album cover art is a picture that Kanye, as the story goes, took on the way to the listening party in Wyoming, Jackson's Hole, which, oddly enough, is one of the most economically imbalanced cities in America. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's ironic at all that that happens. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that has been a story of or Kanye's Or I life. guess appropriately is, mm-hmm. is, is probably the better uh, adverb there. Anyway, took the picture. And the cover art reads, I hate being bipolar, it's awesome, which is actually like, a truck stop t-shirt. <laughs> I Somebody dre- uh, dredged this up on Twitter and I'm sorry I can't shout you out because I forget where it is, but like they literally showed the t-shirt and it said, I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. So there was a very real version of events where he stopped at the gas station on the way to the album listening. and was just like, you know what? I'm going to put this on top of this photo I just took and I'm just going to call the album Yay because this is me. So I'm actually good with this. I'm, I feel comfortable with the cover. I like the statement, even if it comes off of a truck stop t-shirt. I feel like if Kanye's mission over the last 10 years has been to collapse a lot of the vagaries of album release, of mm-hmm. stardom, of fame, that doing something like this, which is like the most last minute tossed off frivolous and yet somehow meaningful representation of the record. I think that's actually interesting. That's kind of in the spirit well, of like, mean, like a lot of pop art. Well, a lot of pop art and also a lot of his career, he's always been like one of his largest strengths is examining his own celebrity. Exactly. I mean, like there was the rollout with the Yeezus album that didn't have any cover artwork. A lot of the preceding singles for Cruel Summer. Yes. Yeah. So he's been, he's been doing things like that over and over again. And it's this interesting collision, you know, the, like the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album cover is this George Kondo piece that is made for the record. Mm-hmm. And that's the highest toned execution of something like this you can imagine. And now we're on an iPhone photo and they're both kind of beautiful in their way. It's just what's inside the package of both differs pretty vastly, I'd say. <laughs> right. So the first record I thought about Killing You, mm, yes, um, which I think has Francis and the Light vocals on the uh, uh, underneath the first part. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know how much Francis was involved in this record. It seems like three or four songs. Yeah, yeah, but starts off with this really harsh spoken word thing mm-hmm. where he, you know, confesses to having suicidal thoughts, premeditated murder. I think about killing myself, and I, I love myself way more than I love you. The most beautiful thoughts are always besides the darkest. Is he talking about killing himself? Is he talking about killing Kim? Did you just think it was a cool aesthetic, like on some Frankie Teardrop shit? I don't know. I mean, he's so confessional as an artist. He very rarely, almost never is a character. You know, Mm -hmm. he's always a person who is, it's always a part of himself. And it starts out as this kind of like... Almost like American Psycho um, monologue 
mm-hmm. that he's doing, which, as we know, he's a fan of that film and that story <laughs> by Brady Stanellis. And uh, it's somewhere between like unnerving and stupid. And it's also one of those things where I I hate records that open with stuff I don't want to listen to again. And it has that feeling of like when when the song gets into the song, there is something that has a little bit of momentum that I like listening to. But that speech about, you know, I love myself more than I love you. It feels like a lot of bad tweets. And I don't want records to start with a lot of bad tweets. Yeah. That was one of the things that's most striking about this entire release is the fact that Daytona, which he produced in full, that came out the week before was laser focused and this one is just I made an album about some shit I tweeted for the last couple of months and put and slapped an album cover on it on a picture I took all the way to the listening party it's so strange because because like what you said is true Daytona is a diamond you know like it is just a it is hard and it cuts and it's beautiful (laughs) and for whatever reason this just feels so sloppy from 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 jump yeah, I mean, like you said off the air, you talked about how flashing lights autoplayed after you listened to the album for the first time. You noticed like a marked difference in the quality of the songs. Yeah, well, flashing lights is is intentionally very big and dramatic and orchestral. Mm-hmm. Like a flight with no visa, first class with the seat back, I still see you in my past. You on the other side of the glass of my memories museum. I'm just saying, hey, Mona Lisa, come home. You know you can't roam As without Caesar. There's nothing that's going for that here. And I, I don't mean necessarily to say that I would want this record to be more orchestral. There's obviously a lot, of, a lot of care and time that went into it. And that was a different time in my life. And I'm sure I was reflecting upon what it was like to hear Flashing Lights for the first time, which isn't even one of my top 20 favorite Kanye records. But it, it seems there was a lot more intentionality, it seemed like. There was a lot more purpose to a song like that than, than a lot of what we're hearing here. I thought about Killing You could have been a song that was about contemplating suicide, but it's ultimately a song about lashing out. Yeah. And... So we don't get that. He also calls his being diagnosed with bipolar disorder, like he calls being bipolar a superpower. Yeah, so what do you think about the way he's positioned all this stuff? Because for the last five years, people have been like, there's something wrong with Kanye, or we have to understand that he's not well. And that that has been a dialogue. And now he is leaning directly into that. So what do you make of him doing that? There's just something really uncomfortable about that. The fact that it's just kind of like, I am proudly not going to get treatment for this thing that is addling me on a daily basis. It just feels like another way for him to do the classic Kanye West braggadocio in a, but about something different and more serious. Yes. It's our right to say, like, you shouldn't put this on a record. You know, Lindsay Zellads wrote about the idea of, like, commodifying something like this and, like, mm-hmm. ma- making it um, saleable in a way. And I don't know if it's our place to say, like, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or what is good for people who are struggling with mental health and what is not good for people. It is bracing, though. Like, it is almost like that is the theme of the record, is, like, saying the thing that everybody's been saying about him out loud. He he seems to be that kind of person who wants to be like, I know what you think, and it's true. Also, I'll kill you. You know, like, <laughs> that's just a very weird place to put a listener. He's always been loud and reactionary. This is just on a level that is more barefaced than anything that's come before. Definitely. Should we go to Yikes? We should definitely talk about Yikes. Menacing. Frightening, find help Sometimes I scare myself, myself Shit could get menacing, frightening, find help He's very tied to the news cycle. There was, Mm, I mean, like he addressed the fact that Russell Simmons said that he was going to pray for him because he was aligning himself with alt-right 
media people and espousing all these far right politics. And Russell Simmons was just like, I'm going to pray for you. Like, quote tweeted something that Kanye tweeted something inane. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And so he says the line on the album is, Russell Simmons want to pray for me too. I'm going to pray for him because he got me too. What did you think when you first heard that line? You know, as I go back and think about it, in fairness, there is a little bit of um, internal rhyme scheme going on on this song because uh-huh. earlier in the record, he says, thought I was going to run DMC, huh? Mm-hmm. And I and died and lived again on DMT, huh? And like run DMC, obviously, and Russell Simmons run yep. his brother. Yep. Yep. There, yep. there is yep. like, there is something going at work here, whether it's any good because he's me- making jokes about me too, I can't say. Um, <laughs> you know, I turned TMZ to smack DVD, huh? Like the, that's what this is. It's just like, I will say everything that is inappropriate that I can say. Whatever I want. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just- There's I've, no boundaries. Yeah. That's, yeah. What, that's what joking about this sort of thing is. He called the record yikes. Yeah. You know, like that, if that doesn't tell us what the purpose is, I wish the song was a little bit better. I know a lot of people have pointed to this song as like, it's kind of this one in Ghost Town are the ones that people are like, ah, oh, there's something to it. I think Rob Harvillo wrote about that on the site. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not particularly moved by yikes. Um, maybe it's because of some of the lines being so cringeworthy, but like just from a musical perspective, I don't, it's just, it's not really my thing. The song that I probably most wanted to like and just could not get over the the grown worthy bars in it was probably the next one which is all mine yeah you so starts off with that really good falsetto hook from from Valet which is <laughs> crazy like medulla obligata <laughs> great <laughs> like, beautiful the Tazala sign feature like he sounds exact like very at home on that production. Yes, I agree. And I think when we were all collectively listening to the Wyoming party and I heard Ty, I was like, okay, maybe we're like going in a new good direction. Yeah. Right. Like this is a perfect person to match with Kanye. They share some similarities musically. They share some similarities aesthetically from a, from a you point mean, of view. You mean as in they, they both write really creepily about sex? Yes. Piper up. I'm okay. a Piper up. I believe is <laughs> the chorus of that song. Yeah. I thought it was going to be good, but it doesn't make me feel good. I really like the beat switch in the second verse. And it was just really unfortunate that it had to be paired with the none of us would be here without come line. And I was just like, all right, well, yeah, well, the, next song. There's something, <laughs> I, I like what you were saying, too, that he's just like wended to the news cycle, right? Because in this one verse, you've got Stormy Daniels, mm-hmm. Corey Gambles, mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson. All these thoughts on Christian Mingle, almost what got Tristan single is... Actually, really funny. It's very funny. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, Micah, mm-hmm. you're you're a rapper. You're married to a woman, and you record a song. And in the song, you make a joke about the affair that your wife's sister's boyfriend is having. And then you go home, and you have dinner with your wife and her sister and her boyfriend. <laughs> What's that dinner like? What happened? <laughs> What about wouldn't leave? And I know you wouldn't leave. They said build your own. I said high sway. I said slavery a choice. They said hi yay. Just imagine if they caught me on a wild day. Now I'm on 50 blogs getting 50 calls. My wife calling screaming say we about to lose it all. Wouldn't leave. Did you think that it was did you think that it was Young Thug or Party Next Door on the on the at the beginning when you first listened to the song? Here's something that has never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, Party Next Door. So uh, no, I did not think that. <laughs> uh, 
I, I honestly, I didn't know. One of the cool things about the album is, is that he basically has two, three, four people singing on every record. And yeah. The picking out where, I remember when I first figured out that Cuddy and Charlie Wilson were both singing on No Mistakes, and I was like, oh, it's actually a smart, melodic, harmonic choice to make. Yeah, the, the low and the high ex- register. Exactly. So I, I didn't really, I couldn't tell who was on I Wouldn't Leave It First. In addition to having Charlie Wilson and Kid Cudi on Sing No Mistakes, Harmonize on No Mistakes, he also tries to make the relatable, you know, like every guy fucks up sometimes, right, fellas song. And it's just like, actually, I went on TMZ and said that slavery was a choice. And then my wife called me saying that I fucked all our money up. This is what they mean when they say for better or for worse, huh? For every damn female that's stuck with they do through the best times, through the worst times. I think that's an interesting verse. And I think it's one of the only times when the timeliness of this, the, the urgency, the fact that this was written so recently, mm-hmm. feels meaningful. Um, it's, it's nice, actually, to hear him try to tangle with what he had done and what obviously offended and hurt so many people. But not in a meaningful way, really, though. Yeah, my wife calling, screaming, say we about to lose it all, had to calm her down because she couldn't breathe, told her she could leave me now, but she wouldn't leave. Now, is it a testament to the power of their union? Perhaps, even though he spends the first three records on the song talking, talking about, about how, how he cheats on her all the time. Need, he could have a Stormy Daniels. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> confounding. But it is at least like something of a window into what he was doing. Like he, This wasn't even a wild day, is what he says, which is actually like a new level of braggadocio about... Mental illness, maybe, or his lack of understanding of um, the historical construct of race and power. I, yeah, I, just kind of thinking that history is a thing that just happens to people. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Pusha T said that Ye would clear up all of his uh, far-right politics. This album would. Mm-hmm. But he turned decidedly inward. Mm-hmm. There are not that many looks towards the things that he's been in the news for over the last couple of months. I mean, like, were you relieved or disappointed by that? I've been thinking about this a lot. I wrote something for the site when a lot of this first started happening. And what I wrote was very reactionary, I would say. Yeah, the first line of it was, nobody wants this, which I thought was appropriate. Right. (laughs) I don't necessarily know how I feel about what I wrote at this point, but I do wish I had personally worked a little bit harder to just accept that Kanye does dumb things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, like, part of the joy of investing in him is trying to understand why he's made certain choices and seeing how they fit in this continuum because his life is a very interesting story. Mm -hmm. And I've always liked watching it and following it and trying to understand it. And I had probably had a considerable lack of empathy because what he was saying just seemed so wrongheaded and so so hurtful to so many people. I don't know that I necessarily sought resolution in the record because I don't think that that's necessarily what he does. I don't think he resolves things in his music ever. His music is like tension and conflict and pain and excitement. Pushing it across the table to you being like, here, deal with it. This is your problem now. Exactly. Now you try to understand it. That's Mm -hmm. exactly right. So I I was not expecting him to like come to grips with some of the things that he had said. Kanye is a narcissist, the Mm -hmm. true narcissist. And so every record is about himself. It's not about explaining himself to to you or making you understand his point of view specifically. It's just saying like, here's here's my thing. Here's here's what my shit is. Yeah. And that is never going to be like a, a reasoned defense of alt-right politics. You know what I, mean? <laughs> like, I, I guess the, the upside is there's no like sampled Candace Owens speech in the vein of like a public enemy record from 1988. Yeah, you know, like, it yeah. could have been way worse. You know, it, exactly. He could have leaned right into this. This is That was one of the, my favorite lines in that Rob Arvilla piece that you're talking about earlier where he was just like, we were all kind of hoping for a sneak attack A-plus album 
and bracing for a catastrophic F. That's it. And it just turned out to be an unspectacular B. That's it. Yeah. He, he nailed it with that. Yeah. Oh, 70 Shake. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I put my hand on a stove to see if I still bleed. Yeah. And nothing hurts anymore. I feel kind of free. Oh, 70 Shake who had the outro part on Ghost Town and also the intro part on Violent Crimes. What did you think? Those vocals about putting her hand on the stove to see if she can still bleed? She's the revelation of the record for me. I didn't know very much about her music. I was not, like, I was aware of her as being a person that was signed to Def Jam, and that was basically it. And I thought what she is doing on the record, which is in, in this lineage of Kid Cudi, was closer to what I thought the whole album was going to be. Especially on Ghost Town. I've been trying to make you love me, but everything I try just takes you further from me. Doing this melodramatic, theatrical, bombastic, almost like... um, It sounds like fireworks. Yeah, like twisted orchestral reading on where rap is right now. The ambient, opioid, depressive sad, you know, trying to cope with the nature of existence. And I thought that that was the closest that Kanye came. And given where Kanye is at and his willingness to talk about mental health and his some of his communication about politics and the world and his own self and the fact that he's been living tucked away in his own, you know... The, a commune of his own design in Wyoming. Um, I thought that, that the album really should have and could have been that. Oh, 70 Shake is doing her thing. And even if it, those are not the best lyrics on the record, they are the lyrics that are like feel the truest. Like I have now listened to that song probably like 75 times. So many times. Yeah. But then again, it's just another one of those, a thing that he's already done like on a previous album. Definitely That's true. The, the uh, Bing produced record, uh, Devil in a New Dress on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. They have that massive soaring guitar solo in the middle of the song. That's Mike Dean. That's all Mike Dean. Mike Dean is all over. This record is all over. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy plays the guitar. Incredible guitarist doing the, that like blues drenched, you know, Hendrix imitation in the middle of these records. Yeah. Yeah. You like Ghost Town though? You're in on Ghost I, Town? I'm in on Ghost Town. Okay. I'm very in on Ghost Town. What about Violent Crimes? Niggas is savage. Niggas is monsters. Niggas is pimps. Niggas is players. The niggas had daughters. Now they precautious. Father, forgive me. I'm scared of the karma Cause now I see women as something to nurture Not something to conquer It's just like the as a father of daughters record And, I, and like it's so boring in that way I It's so corny Yeah Our it, former colleague Honda wrote about this really well on The Atlantic It's basically just kind of like Fatherhood as redemption has been played out It shouldn't take that for you to realize that women are people Yeah we're also in the like The third cycle of people saying stuff like this and then there being a lot of think pieces about how you shouldn't say stuff like this. Like we're way past, like Matt Damon, that was like eight months ago. Like we got to get past people being like, I have a daughter now, so I get it. Like, all right, we got it. That is in the consciousness. That is in the culture. Congratulations. You know, like you're actually judged on the way that you treat people that you have zero relation to actually. This song is um, not my favorite. Yeah. I kind of turned the record off on Ghost Town Ends. 
I think if the if we had 14 songs to choose from and we had three ghost towns mm-hmm. and 11 records that were like, eh, I still think we'd come out feeling more excited and better about this because you'd be like, we have a number of records that we can put our arms around and say like, I got this. I got, no matter what happened with all the MAGA bullshit, no matter what happened with, you know, everything that he has been talking about with mental health, liposuction, mm-hmm. going broke, his marriage to Kim, every, all the noise surrounding the record. If you would come away with more than one, if I had come away with more than one song that I was like, I love this song. Mm-hmm. Because that's ultimately what it is about with Kanye is like, do you love this? Yeah. And I love so much of what he does. I'm such, <laughs> I'm still 36 years old, such a huge fan. So com- I've just been there since the very beginning with him. Uh-huh. And one song on an album is like, how did we get, how do we fall so far so fast? It's terrible. It's just so frustrating. Where does this, his eighth studio album, rank amongst the rest? I think it's safe to say it's dead last. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the exact same. I, I'm not sure about where the rest of my Kanye album rankings are. I mean, like that depends upon the day and the weather and a certain other number of factors. Mm-hmm. This one is absolutely at the bottom. <laughs> Here's why it's dead last for me. There are mo- more good songs on all the other records. There are more interesting choices on all the other records. There is something that is evocative and stirring in all the other records. But more than anything, I've come away with from every single Kanye album, except for this one, wondering where he'll go next. Wondering what the next innovation will be, the next sound. And something that we haven't said here is like, Kanye always does something new on every album. Mm-hmm. He always changes something or innovates something or takes something that exists and morphs it and and disfigures it or makes it more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really do that. He doesn't here. do that here. He doesn't there's nothing new here. So now I'm kind of like, okay, hopefully there'll be another Kanye album, I guess. But I I now feel like I have to treat him the way that I treat every other artist, which is like, I'll check out your new album. As opposed to <laughs> your new album is I'm an event. waiting on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't even make you want to re-explore his career, which yeah. is that's that's kind of sad. Yeah. And finally what is your tweet-length review of the album? I'll quote the man to review the record. My 15 seconds up, but I got more to say. That's enough, Mr. West. Please no more today. <laughs> oh, excellent. Okay, Michael, what's your tweet-length review? My tweet-length review, as you can read in the Yay Exit survey, is needs more Ty Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue with that. Well, uh, thank you, Sean, for coming on and... Uh, depressing the hell out of me about this <laughs> you're very welcome we made no mistakes we thank made, you Micah of course As we all know, when you're talking about Kanye, you're never really just talking about the music. Bargaining has always been a part of liking Kanye West, but since 2016, when he threw his full-throated support behind Donald Trump, it seems like bargaining is all there is. Kanye spent the bulk of his career being celebrated for his outspokenness, and my next guest, Jugnik Mayard, writer, podcaster, mogul, I guess, also, wrote in 2015, he dares to say too much. But now that he's using his platform like this, is Kanye fandom really worth it? Judding, how are you? I'm good. I mean, I listened to that album this morning. So <laughs> yeah. I could be better. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, speaking of that album, here's a clip from the exclusive interview with Big Boy TV that he had in Jackson Hole where they listened to the album for the first time. Oh, jeez. Uh, Kanye's intention for the Wyoming event was to bring people together to keep spreading love. Uh, he adds with a smile. The music and all these friends, we've been in this together. We all played our position of music and messaging, and it was good to just see so many people coming together to link in a place they wouldn't usually be. I got to ask you this question. Would you have gone to Jackson Hole to hear the album like six hours before the rest of the world if you were invited? Um, my blanket answer is absolutely no. <laughs> Can I curse on this podcast? Yes. Okay. Absolutely the fuck no. Um, but, but... I also am not a staff writer on a magazine. It's not my job. Mm-hmm. So if it Different had... Different set of rules. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it had been my job, I would have tried to shirk it. Is what I would have <laughs> I would have been like, do I... Can anybody else? <laughs> um, yeah, I would have... sick. Right. I would have definitely tried to dodge it. Um, mm-hmm. But I understand people who write, somebody had to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Somebody had to go. Of course. Um I had a friend who went who also texted me the day before and was like, I have to go. And I was like, well, you're there to tell the truth. Like, you're there to be not a hype beast mm-hmm. and not someone who's going to jump and put it on Snapchat as if you've never gotten money in your entire life. <laughs> um, Let's but, talk a little bit about the album rollout. Yeah. At which point did you check out slash become exhausted with it? So I got to be, um, I'm going to take it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I haven't played Kanye in my house since he went to see Trump. So it was kind of like to set the table a little bit. This was uh, during the so the St. Pablo tour. I actually went to the yeah. to one of the last shows at the Forum. Um, oh yeah, and it was like maybe one show before he turned the music off and had that right. forty five the the half the an hour screed mm-hmm. about you know like his support of Donald Trump. I honestly thought it was the happiest I've ever been in my life because I was in the mosh pit underneath the floating stage. Um, but anyway, he had that entire rant, canceled the tour, the rest of the tour day. It's had a mental breakdown that he was hospitalized for. And then he popped up with blonde hair in uh, the lobby of Trump Towers, posing for pictures with Donald Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. And so from that moment, I remember we were in my, I was still living in New York. We were in my house and everyone in my house is like, when I say Kanye fan, I mm-hmm. mean like that's our uncle. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like real pain. And so we went to play a song and I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to stay <laughs> off the Kanye for a second. And everyone in the house was like, yeah. And so <laughs> I really hadn't played. I think I listened to Life of Pablo once this year when mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, like I needed, cause low lights really gets me. And then, so when the album rollout came out, I deleted all my social apps. Mm. Um, so I probably read maybe three or four of the philosophy tweets. I watched absolutely zero of the interviews, I read nothing. Mm. Because to me, this is a family thing, right? So for a lot of people, Kanye, you know Kanye, my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy Kanye. Right. For the rest of us... Who were listening to Freshman and it's Adjustment. Say it's one or the other. It's just a different group of people. <laughs> yeah. We've been listening since the beginning. Kanye saved our lives. This is different. Mm-hmm. And it's family. When your family embarrasses you, you don't encourage them or enable them, but you also don't yell at them in front of public, right? You're just like, I'm going to wait till you come for Thanksgiving. We're going to have take <laughs> We're going to have, have a come to Jesus meeting. And obviously, yeah. me and Kanye ain't never going to have a Thanksgiving. <laughs> at least not, I don't think so. But, you know, so. I had to separate myself. And my problem was Kanye is a Kardashian. So he understands his audience. He knows um, his place in the pantheon of 
the virtual world, not just in the pantheon of the real world. Right, because, okay, so he, after that uh, visit to the TMZ offices mm-hmm. where he said slavery was a choice and also confessed to having an opioid addiction mm-hmm. after going in for liposuction because he felt the pressures of the spotlight and being seen all the time. This is this coming from a man who's been seen for 20 years. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he says... <laughs> He says also in that in that big boy TV interview that I was talking about earlier, I completely redid the album after TMZ. We mm-hmm. just sat there and really honed in on the words because now it's all headlines. It's like every bar can be used, you know. There's even bars we had about that. I took a bar off the album. I'd really like to know what bar he took off the album. It was just too sensitive. It was about that topic and I just let it go. I'm just gonna chill right now. Let's just keep making some music. I bet we could guess what that line was. It was definitely something, something like slavery can't hold down a nigga, some shit me, like that. Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he does know his audience, like you were saying before. That's what I'm saying. He knows his audience. He understands. This. He, all, what he also understands is his place as a media topic. Mm-hmm. So Kanye, in the past three, four, ever since Kanye married Kim, basically, mm-hmm. he's become 24-hour news cycle. So if he breathes, it becomes like seven articles. If he walks into a parking sign on walks, the street. Yeah, exactly. It becomes, if he eats yeah. ice cream, he's become an entity within himself, which is why he's part of that family. That was the reason I deleted my social apps because I was like, there's no way to get away from the Kanye conversation mm-hmm. outside of just actually leaving it. You're like, <laughs> you have to leave the room. This is a man who was aware of himself when he was in Rockefeller telling them, I'm the greatest rapper alive. And they were like, man, make beats. Yeah. I mean, like, it was... I've watched that video so many times where he was, like, sitting at the table just in a black T-shirt, no chains on, no anything, like, hair just looking like taco meat. And he was just like, I am one of the greatest rappers ever, and y'all just don't know it yet. And that is a person who's aware of his visibility. So when when that person turns in in an album rollout where he knows... Anything he says is about to be provocative. And remember, Kanye is an art student. He mm-hmm. loves the perverse. He loves the provocative. This is what art students get into. He loves into. to say that flowers are vaginas. Yeah, yeah he loves pervert. Like, he literally turned his life into a perversion. Mm-hmm. And that's how committed he is. And he told us he was going to. And so you have that person, they come out, they're doing this album rollout, and they're like, Kanye knew. He was like, I have to set the line in the sand. Mm-hmm. I have to decide who's going to ride with me no matter what, like in, in the vein of Kim Kardashian West, yeah. who is going to ride with me no matter what, who is not going to leave me and who do I need to kill off? To me, when he says, I thought of killing you, I don't think he's just talking about Kim. I think he's talking about himself. I think he's talking about us. I think he's talking about his fans. Like, mm. I thought of getting rid of all of you. Yeah, this this last year has been a stress test in Kanye West fandom. Yeah. And, I, that, and, and I think he's the control. We are the variables. He's mm-hmm. like, I am going to continue to be as perverse as possible, which is what this album rollout has been. And will y'all follow me to Wyoming? Will you follow me into Magaland? <laughs> will you? And people were like, yes. Yes, I will. Mm. And so he's proven his point. And also he's gotten rid of the rest of us. He's made it so that the critics can't even participate. Like, you couldn't even bring yourself to listen to the album to say you didn't like the album because you don't even want to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in the photo. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the gimmick. And that's what people are not getting. Like, that is the marketing of it. He has set it up to be like, are you willing to talk about me or are you not? And if you're not willing to talk about him, he's made it now so that you can't even be in the room. He doesn't even have to hear you anymore. So when you didn't cancel him, when you didn't cancel him, what you did was affirm to him 
that all the people that are in the room, even if they're be they're begrudgingly, even if they're wringing their hands, mm-hmm. they want to be there. So he can do whatever he wants now. It definitely has a washing effect. Yes. Yeah. I mean that that's like kind of uh, an indictment of what we mean when we say genius. Mm-hmm. Like what it has enabled him to do. I I know I don't know about you, but as a person who has written a lot of words on the internet about Kanye West <laughs> over the years, especially like in the 2010s up to now, as a person who's yelled a lot about Kanye West all over the world to you many know, people, let's <laughs> d- a brief digression while we talk about your drunk TED talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which you wrote a, the 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 piece that I referenced in the intro was about right. a, a piece that you wrote in the Guardian about that drunk TED talk where you asked the question, "Do white people deserve Kanye?" Which everybody should go read. I've really like enjoyed like revisiting I'm, that. I'm still really sad that that wasn't recorded because it was such a. I was drunk and riffing, and it was so. I feel like the talk itself was so much more. Um, complete than what I tried to remember and write down. Um, But it's crazy that I I think about that talk often because Mm -hmm. what I brought up in that talk was the idea of white safe rap Mm -hmm. and the idea of white opinions in rap. And what I specifically said, I do remember this, was that if you are a white rapper, you're second rate. And if you are a white person, your opinion in rap is almost valueless. Um, And... The idea of white safe rap is not that the artists are making white safe rap. It's that white people have enough entitlement and ownership of the space to feel safe in it. Hmm. And so, like Kendrick doesn't make white safe rap. Like what he talks about isn't safe for white people. It's just that he's reached a level in the capitalist structure where the only people who can afford him are white. Mm-hmm. And so that safe is that space is safe for them. They don't got to go to the hood to see him. Mm-hmm. And so Kanye has kind of flipped that on its head. He's flipped white people's entitlement to him on its head because he joined them. Can't beat him, join him. And now he's coming from a place where he's like I can be above race. I can be above all these things. I can have an ab- album listening in Jackson Hole, in Jackson which Hole, has Wyoming, like the most economic disparity the crazy, in the country. Right. Yeah. And the, but the crazy thing about it is it's still only interesting because you're a nigga in Wyoming. <laughs> Nobody would go for Taylor Swift. Mm. Nobody would go for any other, you know, Eminem. If Eminem was like, come out to Nevada, uh, come out to Nebraska to listen to my new album, everyone would be like, no, that's a setup. Like, what? You know? Mm -hmm. But Kanye, like, it's funny, the very thing you're shirking is what makes it cool. It's only cool because you got a bunch of niggas in Wyoming. I mean, like, he said that. It was, he said that I... The thing about why the Wyoming listening party that was cool is because it's a bunch of people that wouldn't normally be there. Um, And... And that's such a voyeuristic way of looking at your fans. Yeah, you I, this kind of like experiencing your life from a reader's remove. Like you already, like we already down with you. We've been down with you. I mean, you you looked George Bush in the face and said you don't care about black people. Like, what? That's such a weird. That's such a like capitalist way to turn that on itself to use it as a showing of how people care about you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird to me. I'm watching a lot of that happen in this camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, now all of a sudden blackness is being weaponized to help people who mostly aren't black. Like your label heads, your the people who are really making money off of you, the people who are saving you. And it's like, but you're still using our authenticity and cool as the sheen for yourself while telling us that you don't care about us. It's weird. 
It's yeah. very weird. But it's but I wanted to go back to the genius thing. <laughs> Geniuses right. are brats. Yes. Where is the genius that is genius across the board? Mm-hmm. A person who is genius, and I think this is where we all get messed up about this. When someone is genius, it means they can do one thing really well, usually. Yes. The very rare is the person that is an all-around genius. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, right. I mean, like it's 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 uh it's definitely one of those things where what I was gonna say before about having written so many words about Kanye on the internet over the years is feeling complicit in the in the social capital that he wields. Right. And it's just the fact that because his music was so great or is so great, it's just kind of like everything he does is great. Having a tweet about a water bottle is uh, is great. It's genius. Um, these paratrooper military boots, genius, because they have crepe soles on them or whatever. It's just kind of like— It's religion. And, yeah. I mean, it's— It's a religion. literally a church of Kanye West. Yeah, it's a religion. It, that that came that came about after the Jesus or during the Jesus tour or whatever. There was a right. legit li- religion. The Church of Kanye West has been going on for a long time. Yeah, it's new members now. The mm-hmm. members look different now. It went from being a Baptist church that you know in the hood to a mega church. Now he is like a elevent evangelical television church. He's a Hillsong. You oh, understand wow. what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's and you have to think about that. That's also marketing. That's cap. You know what I mean? He's mm. like, oh, y'all want the word. Pay for the word. He's Creflo Dollar. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I want, I want my money for the words. And that's what's happening now because, to me, black people called Kanye a genius. We called Kanye a genius. We did. Hood kids called Kanye a genius. Now Kanye is seeking for them to call him a genius. Mm. Yeah, that I mean, takes like it's, a whole it's, different— it's His entire— Exactly. Late Kanye has been about ingrati- ingratiating himself to— like the, the, the 1% of the 1%. Exactly. Instead of what we've always championed him for, which was speaking truth to power. Because he, don't, or he don't just yeah. want to be a genius to hood dudes that don't make no money. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He now has a family that can't support that. So when he was when he was in Rockefeller, he had a family that supported that. Like, mm-hmm. you wanted to be a genius to black people because everyone around you wanted to be a genius to black people too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but now you have a family that can't support that in any way. Like, and I don't mean can't support it like they don't want to. I mean, like, they're white. They they can't. Like, they're like, we can't fit there. We can't go there with you. Mm-hmm. So you have to either stay here with us and include us, include us because we are your literal family now, mm-hmm. or there's always going to be a disconnect there. So you can't have both. That's the problem. You it, you got to hear both sides. You can't have both sides, though. You can hear both sides. You can't believe both sides. Mm. And so now Kanye is at a space where he is choosing what he wants to believe in. And since the church is the church of Kanye West, he chooses to believe in himself and nothing else. Like, what does he say to his wife? I've thought of killing you, and I love myself way what, more than, than I, I love, love you. you. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That I mean, to like, me is the tenet of the whole thing. I love myself more than I love any of y'all. And so whatever I'm feeling inside and whatever can make me feel better is what I'm going to drag y'all into. You know, let's to lighten this conversation up, just, it a up. T- just a tiny bit. Uh, <laughs> how dumb was that as a father of daughter song? I mean, this makes me think of a really good tweet. Um, 
Rabia tweeted. Oh, right, Rabia Kamir. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, at the Fader, she tweeted a lot of black men. It's that I'm I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically kind of like a lot more black men think like Kanye do than you realize. Yeah, I mean, like it was kind of uh, Gene Demby also was tweeting about this. He works for NPR's Code Switch. Uh, he was talking about how conservatism is not as uncommon among black people as people think, especially in the South where I'm from. Yep. There are a lot of black men that are socially conservative like socially yeah, conservative like absolutely. It's, it's definitely like well, I, believing in the american dream requires it yeah if yeah, you I mean, if you buy into like even i i used to say um i remember i went to a talk once and someone was saying how like immigrant parents buy into very similar tenets of white supremacy because they buy into the idea of american dream so they buy into pick up your own bootstraps if you do it this way it will work out because they had to believe that to become here mm-hmm. and it's hard to unlearn that and so to me the father's a daughter song i listened to it three times because i was just like <laughs> you had to you had to be sure that it was actually happening yeah mm. and also because it's it amuses me it amuses and, and i'm i say amuses not to um belittle it because that would be dangerous but amuses like personally because i think about it's the same thing i was just talking about it's like knowing your audience and also recentering it the story back on yourself so Men who have daughters and, you know, learn how to treat women, it has nothing to do with the woman. It's once again erasing. It's funny to me that the song erases his daughters. Like, you almost forget he's talking about Nori because you're just like, he spends so much time talking about his perceive, his perception of her sexuality. That you're like, like, who are you talking about again, bro? Nicki Minaj? Minaj's? Mod, what? 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 And he, he doesn't even say her name. Think about that. He makes a song about his daughter and he doesn't even address her directly by saying her name. When he has done that on... T- I mean, he made a he song about on, her. He did that on Only One. Right. Yeah. So it's like he... De- and other songs. On Pablo, he says her name mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And he says his children's name. But on this one song that's supposed to be directly addressed to her, he doesn't say her name. Barely... Ad- like, he addresses her directly in like, oh, I want you to be karate. I don't want your... But it's all about him. It's like, I don't want you to become an avatar or I don't want you to become a poor representation of me. That's what it's about. I I mean... And think about that. Think about telling your daughter, if you look like your mom, that would be a poor representation of me. If your body were to be as curvy as your mother, you would be putting me into bad situations. Yeah. It's a loop that is so crazy. Niggas is pimps. Niggas is players till niggas have daughters. Right. Which is till till till. So the assumption is to the point. So the assumption is it happens, and then you wake up and you're like, "Whoa, oh, I can't pimp no more." Uh, Now that we've thoroughly skewered this album, (laughs) and uh, you know what, I want to say one thing though. Yeah, I want to say something because I feel like people. This is everyone's. um, This is what everyone does to get back at you when you say it. Yeah, the beats on the album are really good. They're really good. <laughs> they are really they. They're some... really good. You know why? Because you heard them on Jesus, <laughs> and I think it's really funny that y'all hated Jesus so much, but y'all picked this Jesus to be the one that y'all like. Yeah, that's true. Not the one where he was like Middle America packed in, came to see me in my black skin, fuck every question they asking. You want the one where he's like, I don't want my daughter to have tits. Yeah, and so, then also like you know like. Niggas been trying to test my Gandhi just because I'm dressed like Abercrombie. Right. Yeah. I, which, I said slavery was a choice. I said houseway. They, oh, come on, bro. Like, this is the Jesus that y'all chose, that y'all mm. like. One more question, though. 
enough about music that we don't actually like. <laughs> what are you listening to right now that you do like? Sierra Whack. Mm. Whack World. Whack World is... I can't stop. It is so good. It's the, so good. There's... Okay, so it's a 15-song It's a fifteen song album, right? Mm-hmm. And each of the songs is only one minute long. Mm-hmm. And there's one of, the, one of the songs is called Cable Guy, where she goes through like all of these major networks. Mm-hmm. It goes like ABC. All boys cry. MTV. Men touch vaginas. BET. tacos. You want to be seen with me? ABC. So funny, but so good and so relatable and a mm-hmm. very, and like a very pleasant frequency. I, I really do enjoy no, that. No, and that's, and that's Tierra's thing. That's her, that's her whole like wave. It's so great, right? It's like talking about Kanye, it's, it's kind of the same. It's, she's like, my brain is a really weird and odd place mm-hmm. and I'm going to let you into it. Honestly, I'm going to honestly show you how weird I am. Mm-hmm. And it works because you're a genius. It works. You know what I mean? You, you're putting it together. You're putting, you're putting it together creatively and you're presenting it in a way that is thoughtful and in a way that is, takes time. Yeah. And, and it's I not, mean, like each of those songs, like, because they're only one minute long, it's like, this is one idea that I had. Right. And don't you almost feel like you wish or you're hoping that, uh, that uh, like, the full, like a full length version of it comes out? You're like, no yeah. way you just made a one minute song. This has got to be like a one minute like, clip of a three minute song. Yeah, it felt like a collection of album snippets. Yeah, but in each minute, if you really go back, is a full story. Mm-hmm. So even though you, it feels like the song should be longer, there's nothing else that she has to say. Like, yeah. you're like even the, my dog died today, like, that's a whole story. <laughs> she's like, they treated him like a stray, that, you know, I'm crying, and it's over. And she's like, yeah, my dog died. Like, and that to me is so funny to put that against the yay, because it's like, yay is also like 23 minutes long, you know, maybe eight minutes longer, and he's talking so much, but there's nothing, there's no story at the end. Mm-hmm. You're like, what are you, what were you talking about again? Your daughter's titties? Uh, your wife? Yeah. Trying There's to murder a piece you? about, uh, like, on, on theringer.com, great website, uh, written by uh, Lindsay Zolaz, where she talks about how there's kind of like a, maybe a narrative arc of the album where, like, the first couple of songs he's doing his Mr. Hyde and mm-hmm. then the, the second half is Dr. Jekyll. But, but that's us giving Kanye a lot a of credit. A lot of credit, yeah. And that's the thing about Kanye that he's also aware, too. He's gotten to the point where he knows he can scrap an entire album and remake it, and he knows that he can take a picture of his album cover on the way to the listening and write on it because he knows he's a genius, so he doesn't have to create the narrative. We will create the narrative for, for him. him. Mm. And that's what that that's that's what I should have said about the album rollout. He was like, I'ma let y'all do all the work for me. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give y'all the pieces. Mm-hmm. And we were like, more than happy to, for sir. More yeah. than happy to. So Tierra Wack, Wack World, um, I'm just listening to women because to me right now, women have black women mm-hmm. have this. You know when you've been sitting in the back of the class all semester? And the kid who's been sitting in the back of class all semester has been watching everyone in the room. They haven't been talking. They've been watching you fake it. Who's raising their hand when they're about to, when they need extra credits? Who's Uh coming in late? All that. And then what happens at the end of the movie, right? The kid in the back of the class at the end of the semester always is the one that like says the most like, oh yeah, I've been watching y'all all all, blah, blah. Here's it. Here it is in one line. And that to me is black women. We've been sitting at the back of the class just watching everyone. And now the music that is coming from us is able to be on topic, be on trend, you know, cover the things that people want to hear, be new, 
mm-hmm. with what it already has mm-hmm. because we're like we've been watching y'all finesse we've mm-hmm. been out here back here watching this scam I'm not blown away but I'm happy that there's finally a space I'm finally happy that niggas have fucked it up so much that women are like black women are like fuck y'all niggas <laughs> like <laughs> fuck y'all like we just gonna do this on our own cause y'all out here just it's just not safe to be Asking following y'all any kind of way you want to right mm-hmm. I just can't be following y'all cause it's mm-hmm. actually and as mothers as people who think about you know the next generation that's the thing that I always find so funny about dads Men talk about the next generation like a fantasy. They talk about it like something they're going to purchase. They mm-hmm. talk about the way they want their kids to be. You know, that's that's where you get the daughters thing. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I have I have a daughter in my house now. Got to fireproof the house for daughters. Yeah. Whereas like people who identify not just with being able to have kids, but who identify with the feminine, feminine and the divine think about birth as in like everything in me is going to be put in you. And I think you don't have to be a woman to think like that. That's Mm -hmm. why I say if you identify with it, if you think about it, like you don't have to be a woman to think like that. But if you think about your product, what you put out as being part of what is actually inside you, you see how someone like Kanye puts what's inside them out on the offensive and how someone like Tierra or Beyonce or Rihanna puts out their dark and their light as fact. It just mm-hmm. is. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to make you do something. I'm just telling you mm-hmm. what it was. And that's the difference. Kanye is like, I want you, I'm bipolar and I'm going to like put that out there so that everything I do is under the category. So then I can fuck around and do whatever I want. And you look at female artists now and they're like, I'm giving you what it is and you have to take it. And, and you're not going to change my truth, but I'm also not trying to make a truth for you. Mm. I don't think we're going to get better than that. <laughs> um, but thank you for stopping by. Thank, thank you for you, having me. Thank you for for helping thank me wade through. Thank you for making through. me listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Tierra Whack, the future. Yes, amen to that. Before we get out of here, I wanted to add some music recs of my own. As you know, you should definitely be listening to Tierra Wack's new project, Wack World. But you should also listen to Baby Mother. Uh, just really, just go out there and search for this song called Rules. It's honestly one of the best songs I've heard this year. Although it didn't come out this year. It technically came out in 2017. Also... Because Kanye's new album is called Yay, and people have been frantically Googling Yay, trying to find the album, they have also stumbled across another thing called Yay. It's a piece of music by an artist named Burna Boy. The song is called Yay. He says Yay a lot on the song, uh, but it is also really pleasant, and so is his whole project. It was called Outside, and it came out in January. You should definitely go listen to that. As always, thank you so much for listening, and special thanks to Sean Fennessy and Judnick Mayar for joining me. Shout out my producers, Agi Ashagre and Zach Mack. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we will be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show, and don't do it if you don't. We would really appreciate that. Peace, peace. See you next week. Stay black.